Welcome to the Connected Commute podcast from Bolden Networks. Bolden Networks is unlocking the power of an interconnected future by bringing you insights from leaders in transport around the globe. Today, Chris Bichette from Bolden Networks is talking to Dan Piner. He's the Senior Design and Innovation Manager at Southwestern Railway in England. They discuss innovations across Southwestern Railway, including enhancement of connectivity options on their rail, expanding station offerings, and creating a more seamless travel experience for their passengers. Welcome, Dan. Thanks for joining us today. Um, before we kick off, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about uh, all things rail and and uh, things having to do with stations and trains and all the things in your background. But why don't you give us a, a little bit of your background and uh, introduce us to the crowd? Thanks, Chris. Yeah, very happy to. So um, currently the Senior Design and Innovation Manager at Southwestern Railway. I've uh, been here around 18 months and uh, dealing yeah, pretty much with everything innovation within Southwestern Railway. So uh, I sit within the customer strategy team with the idea being that everything I do should have some impact on customer experience in some way and improving the customer experience. Uh, but the way that uh, boils down into, into reality is that I you know, sort of do have Lots of conversations across the organization um, from sustainability through to safety and security and fleet maintenance, et cetera, as as well. Uh, So that's my current role. And I've been here around 18 months. Prior to that, I was at Innovate UK, which is the government's innovation agency. And I was co-responsible for uh, some of the innovation funding competitions, which Innovate UK delivered. Uh, such as the first of a kind funding opportunity, which um, uses Department for Transport money uh, to fund a number of projects in the rail innovation area or remit. Uh, and likewise, there were similar programs with Network Rail and High Speed 2 uh, and Crossrail International as well. So a number of quite exciting uh, rail innovation programs that I was involved with through that. And then my background sort of more generally behind that was um, working for a, uh, a applied research unit called the Transport Strategy Centre out of out of Imperial College in London, where we uh, undertook benchmarking and best practice uh, sharing with metro operators and train operators uh, around the world. So um, that was with a couple of benchmarking groups called Iceberg, some of the suburban rail operators and Comet for the metro operators. So that was a really beneficial way of helping me to, I guess, expand my mind as, as to what's out there, what's being done in in, in rail uh, across the globe, but not just domestically, um, and seeing different practices in different contexts and how, um, you know, how similar ideas might result in different outputs in different places as well. So, yeah, re- really interesting time uh, in that role as well. I'm curious about uh, what got you into rail. A lot of a lot of people who work in rail have been in rail since their childhood. Um, other others have gested into it out of uh, an interest that's uh, of late. Um, I myself would place my, myself in that category. What got you interested in rail? Yeah, good question. Uh, again, so my uh, background uh, from from childhood is I, I grew up in Ashford in Kent. Um, 
in the southeast of England and uh, during my childhood the Channel Tunnel was uh, sort of under development and, and constructed and opened um, linking Kent, uh, well London and Kent through to France um, and at the same time High Speed One uh, was also developed and opened and that gave Ashford its own international station uh, so I think I sort of grew up with rail kind of around me in that sense. It was always like a big part of the news. And uh, I remember going on trips to see like the tunnel boring machine that was used in the um, used in the tunnel that, uh, constructed um, underneath the English Channel. Uh, and so I think I've just always had a, yeah, always had a sort of peripheral interest in it. Educationally, I, I was a geographer, human geographer. So uh, that kind of, yeah, my two worlds came together a bit, I guess, when I decided to focus a bit more on cities and transport. Uh, and then with my rail interest as well, yeah, found myself quickly moving into a rail career. It, 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 you were the boy whose hometown sports team won the championship, and that's what you decided to pursue. Except it wasn't the sports team, it was the, a rail project. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, exactly. I'm not sure if that makes me uh, cooler or less cool than sports <laughs> team example, but I, I'm going to go with cooler. That's perfect. I agree. I agree. Um, you you mentioned uh, as part of your role, well, you, well, one of the first things you mentioned was passenger experience. And I'm greatly encouraged and excited to hear that. Um, we've traveled around to a lot of different places, talked to a lot of different people and, and been to a lot of shows and and. Passenger experience gets a lot of airplay, but in the things that eventually come out the other side, uh, largely gets ignored. And and passenger and stations are two words that we rarely see at shows. So I want to I want to pursue that a little bit. But uh, just before we go on, I I, I want to ask um, at Southwest Rail, I've seen a lot of things that encourage me that these things are be, being considered. Um, so so tell me a little bit about innovation at Southwest Rail and how that's exciting and encouraging for the rest of us. Yeah, thank you. So innovation at Southwest Rail and how is it exciting? So I, I joined I joined Southwest Railway 18 months ago and I tried to bring a sort of a fresh approach, an exciting approach to it. We... And that's not as easy, perhaps as easy to do as it might sound. So um, I think innovation naturally is exciting and people get excited by it, but it's also easy, very easy to get distracted by it or taken off on a bit of a tangent. And so it's really important to keep bringing people, whether they be stakeholders or colleagues or whoever, um, back to, you know, back to the focus and that's delivering to our customer. Um, we've been trying really hard within Southwestern Railway to build an innovation culture and engage our colleagues um, through innovation. So we've got five and a half thousand staff or more or, le more, more or less five and a half thousand staff at Southwestern Railway. Um, and I see everyone with an SWR as being key to the innovation process. And that might be, you know, frontline colleagues submitting ideas to us, submitting challenges to us and problems that they have or or pain points that customers have. Or it might be through to senior management and exec 
that um, had their own uh, challenges or their own ideas and solutions. Um, and it's really important to us that we have both that, that uh, top-down and bottom-up uh, engagement. Um, and, and I think that's the best way to generate the excitement is getting everyone involved and saying, this is the challenge we have, what ideas can you bring to the table? And then how can we take those ideas, trial them, test them, keep you involved, give you recognition for coming up with that idea in the first place, uh, and then keep that sort of constant, you know, uh, evolution, I guess, of that idea so that we come out the other side with something that's feasible and desirable and viable and, and that we can actually implement it uh, and it, and ultimately, you know, it impacts the customer and has a positive uh, impact on customer experience. Well, I love the idea of fostering an innovative culture because I think we all just intuitively can understand how difficult that can be, particularly in a public organization. So uh, I, I see good signs coming from Southwest Rail, so that's, that's very encouraging. Um, I, I imagine when you first started 18 months ago, you sat on the job and, and, and thought, where do I start? And I, I would expect you engaged in a wide, um, a wide and pretty extensive period of research, looking to, looking around to see where Southwest Rail is today and checking the competition and around the world for those things that inspire you. Did anything stand out? Yes, absolutely. So. Yeah, you're right. The sort of task one really was understanding our current position, our innovation maturity, uh, what we're doing, speaking to stakeholders or, and, and colleagues all across the organization in uh, as many different roles as possible, just to form, to start to build and form those relationships with them so that they can come to me as and when needed, but also so that I could get a good grasp of where we are as an organization. In terms of then, yeah, that sort of research piece of looking outwards, I leaned, at the start, I would say I leaned quite heavily on my previous roles. So um, my time at Innovate UK, uh, where uh, particularly through the First of a Kind program, there were a number of projects we funded, which I knew were really positive projects, which could make a difference, um, were, were at that right sort of innovation maturity level to uh to start engaging with um, and bring in it as a proof of concept um and, and likewise there was also from a, from my previous role at imperial college london there was some opportunities there to speak to colleagues around the world um in hong kong for example in uh denmark in in melbourne um and to understand you know about some of the ways that they've tackled challenges there and, and how we could bring some of those similar ideas over to us um, and use them in our own context. Your, your background is certainly perfectly suited to this because I'm sure you, you brought some of those organizations along and, and introduced them to Southwest. Did any from your background or any of the international ones, like one or two jump out at you that you can say, we really admire that and we want to pursue that? Or is it uh, too early to discuss them? No, no, very happy, very happy to discuss. So I think the one, the main one that's been really uh, positive for, for us at the moment, and we're looking to um, you know, submit a business case and, and further roll it out, is working with a supplier called Woosh, um, who 
I was involved with when I was at Innovate UK in terms of um, they had some projects funded through the first of the kind competition. So uh, I had quite a close up visibility and um, awareness of what they, they were delivering. Um, kept that relationship ongoing and then uh, brought them into Southwest Railway uh, to work with us. And the concept behind it, it's relatively simple, to be honest. It's a QR code sticker goes on the back of seats on trains so one one sticker on the back of every seat um and also stickers up at stations and it allows the customer to scan that qr code to get real-time journey information about the service that they are on at that uh, specific moment in time um but also there's an opportunity to for example submit fault reports so uh, we had an incident recently where one of the hand dryers in the toilet on board one of the trains um, uh, was spoken. And normally that would potentially require the train to be taken out of service, be investigated, etc. cetera. Uh, but because a customer reported it through this QR code pretty much straight away, we were able to uh, get it immediately investigated and um, and it turned, uh, you know, it, the potential incident was um prevented and it could just be um maintained there and then so that was a real benefit to us it had an immediate you know positive impact on uh uh delay minutes so because the train didn't need to get taken out of service that obviously has a financial impact as well yeah so really good some of the best ideas are not super complicated they're not super expensive but so many passengers have no idea where to call for certainly for a a simpler maintenance item or my seat is is got a spill on it or something and uh you empower them to be a part of the system i love that there were two other positives about that as well one was that um through the qr code it auto populates the information about the service you're on if you're reporting a fault so whereas traditionally you'd have to go onto our website find the form tell the you know type into the form what train you're on what time that departed from the origin station and all of these bits of information that you ne never really know uh the qr code uses the head code of the train um it's all linked up and so we'll auto populate that information so as the customer you just need to put in categorize you know what the fault is and then a bit of free text to say um to explain the issue and then submit it the other great thing about this project uh which we call iqr so um which actually stands for um information question report uh, but obviously links well with the qr code piece um is that this idea actually came out of one of our trackathons which is our internal innovation challenge events so the iqr concept was uh developed by a, uh, a group of our colleagues at one of our innovation challenge events and then um with that at which point we engaged with whoosh knowing that they do had a sort of similar product uh, off the shelf which we could test as a proof of concept so that's been a really nice win for us as well because we've been able to say this is a this is a colleague idea which we've taken forward and uh, that really helps with the empowerment and engagement piece with colleagues and could, helps to continue to ensure that they uh, submit ideas in the future as well is fantastic and that is a good uh, innovation culture um i I've, I've seen some good examples of this that in rail and other transit organizations. And I've seen 
what I would call the worst of this sort of culture, this this public company union culture. Um, to me, this is a huge question, and I don't expect you'll have all the answers right now because I don't think anybody does, but how do you try and reverse that type of culture where where the the goal, the stereotypic goal is how little work can I do today for my entire shift? Can it be any less than yesterday? How do you how do you turn that Titanic and and try and turn it around? Yeah, so that is a big question to answer, and um, I'm not enti entirely I, sure I, 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 I'm equipped. I, I, I lay that at your uh, feet because you seem to be doing a pretty good job of it. <laughs> I, I, thank not, you. Well, that's not a, a, a no a judgment on how Southwest operated before you. I can't. I have no idea. No, of course. <laughs> no, of course. And I, I think, yeah, it, it's it's a really difficult piece, um, particularly in the context of of the current environment and we know that this you know pr the proposed station change program where um the, with the closure of uh, proposed closure of ticket offices which is currently out for consultation um and that really affects staff morale um amongst amongst a number of other things i think my, in my view and um you know what's under my in terms of what's under my control it, it's continuing to engage with our colleagues, particularly our frontline colleagues, to show them that they are important. We are listening to them. We need their ideas. We need to know what their frustrations are and their pain points are, uh, and that we want to try and help them with that. And that ultimately, we're all here to deliver to the customer. We're up, we are all pushing for the same result. And sometimes there is, there can be this us and them feel, or there is a danger that there can be an us and them feel, but. That's you know that's not to anyone's benefit, um, and if we can grow, grow the pie, um, everyone's got a bigger slice to take home at the end of the day. Uh, whereas at the moment, and not just you know this isn't specific to us as an operator, but I think as an industry, it can feel like we're all trying to take a piece out of the same sized pie, or uh, with the risk that the pie becomes smaller because we lose customers. Um, whilst we're doing this sort of this infighting. So yeah, it, my view is that we need to do what we can to grow grow the industry, get customers back, continue our recovery post COVID. Um, and then we hopefully will all go home happier um in our in our roles and uh what we're doing to the customer. I, I think there's certainly a, a cultural component to that as well. Uh, I think there's a cultural component that runs right through transit. It's quite a bit different, I think, the the perception in North America versus some large parts of Europe. But uh, so to tie just to tie that together with our previous discussion, um, in in your innovative search, are there things in other cultures that you observed in transit that you admired and you say, hey, we've got to bring some of that back home to us? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So I, I think there's. And and that's a really that, there's there's so many potential answers to that it feels uh, because there's some really like small easy what I'd say relative quick wins through to whole sort of uh, yeah like customer um, behavior things that are very hard to to change so 
for example, on the on the bigger end of the scale, there's rail systems in Asia. So particularly in my mind, uh, uh, JRE, so Japanese Railways in Tokyo and MTR Hong Kong, where it's almost sort of drilled into the customer exactly how they need to behave or to board the train or light the train when they're on the train and, and that helps speed up the whole process. It's really important from a dwell time perspective, from a performance perspective. If something does go wrong, um, uh, and often in those environments, it, it very rarely does, or not as severe as we might see uh, in our own environments. Um, then they know how to, you know, respond to that as well. So um, there's those pieces which I think are really hard to tackle, and that's a huge sort of industry-wide piece. But then there's smaller stuff as well. So again, going back to Japanese railways, um, I remember using their app in Tokyo and. On the app for each carriage, not not only does it indicate you know occupancy levels, how busy that carriage is, which is what we're now doing over here as well, but it also indicates the temperature in each carriage. And I was like, that's such a simple thing, which is really fantastic because you know some people want to be in a nineteen degrees air conditioned coach. Some people um, want to be in something that's like twenty three degrees, twenty two degrees, and want it a bit warmer. Some people are layered up for winter and are wearing you know hoodie jacket coat on top of that and so they want a cold carriage even if it's in december um and so if you if as a customer you can just you've got that information in front of you you can just choose and it's like that not you know that shouldn't be difficult to do uh and it's just seems like a simple concept which is a really quick win um that customer information piece so so yeah there's ideas like that um and there's and there's so many ideas like that out there <laughs> uh around different things which i think yeah let's just look at it over here similar with some kind of um, some of the platform zoning initiatives that are done elsewhere and lighting stations, um, like yeah, sounding stations as well. Yeah, there's lots of lots of good ideas out there, and and a lot of them are very simple. Um, and and we, we've in in our research we found very simple to very complicated ten years out type of things. Not all things apply in all stations. There's quite a variance in the types of stations that. Uh, you could or even would want to put some of those things in. Um, uh, we first connected in discussing stations, and like I mentioned uh, or to you offline, uh, stations are a very underserved topic in in rail, we feel. Um, you, you don't see much discussion about them in trade shows, in, dis in conferences and in interviews. Uh, our our discussions with people who operate stations have varied quite widely. One of the famous lines from a station operator in Canada was, "Stations are just boxes that people use to get on and off the train," which which I found quite disappointing because we recognize some huge potential in stations and and their importance in integration in the community. Um, What's what's your take on how how Southwest Rail manages stations and what you do with them? I think it's it's so the stations are such a crucial part of of what we do. There's only two consistencies in a customer journey. Uh, uh, well, off the top of my head, there's only two consistencies in a custom, customer journey, and that's a station, two stations um, at least, uh, start and end of your journey, and the train. So everything else is a bit more variable, and that might include guards on the trains uh, that might be included if you get 
hear announcements, um, you know, the, the ticket buying process, all of these are variables, but you'll definitely uh, arrive at a station, get on a train and then leave it to another station. So we need to make sure that the station delivers again to the customer. Um, we have around just under 200 stations on our network, Southwestern Railway, So and, and they hugely vary in terms of size, type and scale um, from Waterloo, uh, which is the busiest station in the UK, down to, you know, really small, uh, unstaffed rural stations. Um, but whatever the size, they all have a really important role to play. And in fact, you know, some of those smaller stations can have an even more important role because they um, are huge parts of the community. So just this week, I was at um, Shawford Station um, on our network, and there's recently been a significant investment program uh, to re uh, reopen the cafe there. There's now a, a lovely, if you're ever in the area, I really recommend you visit Marco's uh, Cafe at Shawford. Um, and it's, yeah, it's been done really well. Beautiful uh, design, lovely ice cream, lovely coffee. <laughs> Highly recommend it, but that serves a real community purpose to it as well. And the community rail partnership have been involved in that um, in that program, and it it really helps to reinvigorate the whole area. It's not just about the station building um, and bringing that back to life, but it but it's about the, the purpose it serves in the broader area as well. And we've seen we, we've seen similar examples across our network, um, and that also you know has an impact on colleague. Um, uh, satisfaction as well so so how our frontline staff feel uh working in that environment as well so um again it's really important not just to our customers but also to our staff um and yeah whatever the size of the station there's obviously different things we can do different initiatives uh depending on the station size but i think you can't rule you, you can't just say uh, it's not appropriate to do anything there it's too small um because everything uh can be improved in some way i totally agree and that's part of what we're we're uh researching as part of our research um just a, a little sidebar we'll come back to stations in one second but um you were talking about the consistent things in a journey and that's being on the train and passing through a station uh, I, I saw a presentation recently where uh the transit organization included the journey to and from the station as part of your transit experience. Has that factored into South Rail's, the Southwest's uh, thinking? It hasn't much in my world, I would say. I, I think it does in uh, elsewhere within SWR. Um, the little bit of work that I've been doing tapping into that area is uh, with a supplier called Bon Jauntly, who have been digitizing some walking routes uh, at some uh, around some of our stations. And again, that's for that. Um, it, it's partly for the community benefit, but it's also because we feel that there's good opportunity to increase the number of leisure travelers on our network. And if we can um, promote walking opportunities around our stations, then that will uh, hopefully lead to increased leisure travelers uh, using our network to to undertake those walks in terms of the sort of the first mile last mile 
um, stuff that certainly some of my colleagues have been looking at uh, e-bikes and e-scooters um, and connections with buses and ferries um, down on the Isle of Wight and, and at Portsmouth Harbour, for example. But um, yeah, that that's less, I've been less in, uh, involved in that sort of work, but I know it does happen within SWR. This podcast is brought to you by Bolden Networks, unlocking the power of an interconnected future. We're delivering the advanced shared network infrastructures needed for a smart, inclusive, and sustainable future. From interconnected transit to venues, enterprises to smart cities, we're creating new possibilities in the way people live, work, and play. To find out more, visit boldin.com. I, I noticed recently, just getting back to the station set, I noticed recently that... Uh, there was an announcement by an organization, uh, I can't remember exactly who, but uh, that there was, for the UK, there was a design of a station in a box, uh, a, a, a quick build station. You're smirking because you, you know all about this. Um, wh- where do you stand on that? I, I, I feel like there's probably some utility somewhere for this, but on the continuum of let's deploy these everywhere versus this is a bad idea where, where do you stand i think they have uh i think they have the potential to be used in the right place as needed but not everywhere so uh it, it's very much a what's the context that uh for this if it's yeah ultimately if we need to do something relatively you know quickly relatively cheaply then maybe that is the right route to go down i think my preference and something again it's an idea that came out of one of our trackathon innovation events internally is actually to have let's let's keep our stations unique but at, with the with all of the character that they bring with them but let's have some modular sort of elements and design within them so so if there are spaces available within a station then is there a sort of yeah i guess a not a station in a box but a almost a room in a box approach that we can take and say um we're going to implement this here it's going to have these features of um you know this week it can be uh, a cafe next week it can be a farm shop and you have these sort of modular element modular elements to it which allows you to move those different facilities around um because it's in a sort of um, uh, room in a box style um, approach, it, it's something that you can yeah easily deploy to different stations. But it gives you much more flexibility uh, once it has been deployed. So that's something that uh, yeah that's something that came came up through one of our innovation events, and we and we've been considering uh, how to do that. It's a bit of a far cry from the stations 150 years ago that were palaces to the innovation of rail and uh and centerpieces for the town it's a much more cardboard approach yeah but i think i think actually there's an opportunity so if we can bring for example um you know that modular approach then i think it might increase the opportunities available to the community because we can have this it it might not be viable to have a cafe there all year round but it might be viable to have a cafe there for a month over the summer season or uh, you could have a Christmas market in, you know, or, or some Christmas stalls in December. Um, 
or yeah, you could, I don't know, other times of the year, you could rent it out uh, or make it available to the local school or community groups for, for meetings, et cetera, as well. So um, I think you can get, you can make the space available. Um, yeah, you, you can in increase the benefits of the space that is available. So from not having just a uh, one option, um, so 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 I think actually it will hopefully continue to develop, uh, deliver to the community just in a different way than they would have in the past. Flexible accessory stations. Yeah, exactly. Um, so so in in the discussion of this space, um, the the ticket uh, booths that you mentioned earlier, the possible disappearance of ticket booths that will open up space in stations. Any any thoughts as to what we can? innovate in that space and make the experience better it it potentially will do um yeah it, it's obviously it's still out for consultation at the moment and we're not sure exactly what that will look like so um we certainly haven't you know earmarked any spaces or or uh got uh developed plans in mind i think i have some if that does happen i've got some general sort of thoughts and things that we're looking at which we might like to do one of those um is, is something that we're soon to be trialing at Southampton Central Station, which is uh, working with a supplier, uh, My Work Booth. So it's setting up a uh, soundproof private pod, essentially within the uh, at Southampton Central, it'll be within the waiting room. Um, and this is available for customers to to book and to use. It might be for a Teams call or a, or a, some kind of meeting that they need to undertake, which isn't suitable to do in a public waiting room or on the train um and the idea is that we you know we do live in this different world post pandemic uh we don't want our customers to only feel like they can work at home or in the office we want to create a third space for them uh which is at stations as well um at, we have seen um less commuters return uh, to our network compared to leisure customers and so I, I think there's potentially a big opportunity for something like this to yeah to encourage greater commuter and business travel in future by giving them that um chance to work from our stations in a in a confidential and soundproof environment even begging my local to install one of these even better he, he's he's right and it is true at our heart we are a connectivity company we are a communications company and uh, this is a common thread that runs through all of our discussions uh, on stations and on trains themselves. Um, so I'm, I'm, we, we earlier discussed Wi-Fi and how Wi-Fi might be disappearing for our customers. And, and I think we both think that would have a large impact, a, a negative impact toward the perception of, of rail. Um, how are you how are you using connectivity on trains and in stations to make a difference for that customer experience i i think it comes down it, it's partly um you know related to my previous point about the work booth as well but we, we want to make the journey for our customers productive whether that be on train and um working whether that be on train and streaming t 
TV shows, um, whether that be at station, you know, doing the same. So product by productive, I'm, I'm using quite a broad sense of the term, uh, both from a leisure and work perspective. Um, there are, yeah, various ways or initiatives which we're trying to do that. We, we're currently in the process of rolling out a project with Evo Rail um, to install a 5G network between Earlsfield and Basingstoke um, on our on our network. Uh, this will significantly increase the bandwidth on our trains between these locations. Um, and and I think we'll see a significant uplift in the customer satisfaction around this. We know that customer satisfaction, uh, well, one of the key drivers of customer satisfaction is Wi-Fi. Uh, it's certainly in the top seven um, of the key drivers. And so it's really, it is really important to us um, uh, and to our passengers, to our customers. Um, as well as the Evo Rail project, there's a number of other initiatives out there which we are considering, we're looking at. So I know LNER are currently have a project with um, uh, with Netskirt and, and Bolding Networks looking at the edge casting service that they offer. And that's a potential, potentially good solution um, as well for increasing bandwidth and, and uh, particularly the capability to uh, stream media once on board. There's other stuff out there as well, you know, such as Starlink and uh, how can we use satellite comms for, for, for connectivity and improving um, the service that we offer. We haven't, you know, at the moment, I think we're at the stage of let's back or at least follow several horses. Let's not uh, completely gamble on one because uh, we don't we don't know what the answer is, uh, to, to be completely honest. So uh, we're sort of, yeah, we're monitoring and observing what's out there and i don't think there necessarily has to be just one solution it could be there's a few, several different solutions which sit alongside each other certainly um you know we think that evo evo rail and the 5g um rollout is is a good opportunity for that part of our network um but there's that still leaves other parts of our network where, where we have black spots or not spots or whatever you want to call them where where wi-fi coverage is pretty poor or non-existent and we need to do something about that as well. So we're working, currently working with uh, Icomira uh, to to investigate options around that. So uh, the discussion of, I, I asked a very broad question about connectivity, and um, your your response to my liking uh, targeted Wi-Fi, but uh, there are other things that are even if public Wi-Fi went away, is one of the risks we're facing right now. Um, connectivity is still essential for the train operations these days. There's no, there's no uh, racking down from that. You'd still have the same connectivity, just no public service on it. Um, how else are you integrating connectivity to make the service better for passengers, even if it's not over Wi-Fi? It's a good point. I, I think uh, we, we are thinking about a number of different areas. And as you say, connectivity is more than just about Wi-Fi and it's more just about the customer provision. Um, we have, for example, we've got new new trains coming in, uh, 701s, our arterios, and they are very, um, you know, very connected. They, 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 
they have a lot of remote um, uh, monitoring on them and, and sort of, yeah, they're, in, they're an intelligent train which needs connectivity to run. So it's not purely about um, the Wi-Fi on board, which the customer can use uh, in whatever, for whatever reason they uh, might need it. Um, I think there's also other things out there about, yeah, working closer to, uh, you know, cell cellular data providers and uh, how it can improve connectivity that way. Uh, but again, I, I think a lot of this comes out to an industry discussion and it would be you know the the dream would be to have a sort of industry strategy uh whereas rather than us trying to just do something locally um working with one provider and another talk doing something uh working with another supplier and network rail doing something of their own you know we can end up with this real piecemeal approach whereas i think something like connectivity needs it, it needs that bigger picture uh, vision, um, and I yeah. So so I'd be I would encourage the industry to uh, to think about that and, and to look at what we can do collaboratively rather than just us trying to address it by ourselves uh, for our own. Okay, so that that, that was a pretty broad question I got into, and I'm not going to back down from my approach. We we Bill Gates who said we overestimate what we can achieve in two years and underestimate what we can do in ten years. How is, how is Dan, the innovation expert at Southwest Rail, how is your job going to be different 10 years from now? And what's, what's the one thing that you think of, you know, a far reaching goal that you want to achieve in 10 years and how will that make things different? So I think in 10 years, um, there is a huge opportunity to be doing something different doing something better but ultimately our objective is to make sure we deliver customers from a to b on time um that needs to be the core of what we're doing and there's so much around that that we can do to improve the customer experience and not every station can be like or does need to be like for example st pancras where you've got you know, these huge shopping opportunities in cafes and restaurants um, and international connections and whatever else. But but I think we should be moving as much as we can to, in that direction to say stations are more than just the A and the B. It's, it's, not, it's not, they shouldn't just be a location which our customers pass through, but uh, we should give them the option or the opportunity to, to spend more time there um, be that for, um, you know, shopping, retail, or a cafe, or to do work, or uh, or however that that might look, or to, you know, to charge their electric vehicle. Um, there's lots of potential opportunities depending on the size of the station. But similarly, for trains as well, I think uh, it, it'd be beneficial for us to have this sort of flexible space where we can have um passengers with accessibility requirements and and wheelchairs in there at the same time as customers with buggies and customers with luggage and customers with bicycles and at the moment that's really difficult because of the space available to us so um if we can offer this sort of flexi flexi or flexible space within within the train um then i think that'd be really beneficial um 
and customers want to they they want if if they're working if they're traveling for work purposes be that business travel or commuting um you know they want to use that time productively in some way um that might mean relaxing um and and watching um media or it might mean reading a book or on a video call or it might mean they're working and trying to uh, do a teams meeting then we need to have that there as well and that should mean that there's tables and there's spaces where they can put their laptops that they have really good connectivity whilst on board um uh that if there are disrupt if there is disruption and if there are problems they can get personalized information about their journey um and what to do uh in the case of that disruption whether that be taking alternative transport and what what transport their ticket is accepted on etc so uh, it is i've i've sort of given you a bit of a brain dump there of what we might be doing in 10 years and i wouldn't like to say we will be doing all of them but i think that's the direction we need to move um and clearly with some you know the way things work in rail and and the way some of our assets are locked in for long periods of time such as the such as the trains it is even 10 frame 10 sorry even 10 years is a difficult time frame because the life cycle of a train could be 35 40 years um so we need to think perhaps even beyond 10 years of what we might be wanting to do uh further down further down the line as well um so yeah i've given you to your broad question i've given you a very broad answer so uh sorry sorry for that but um yeah hopefully hopefully it gives you some uh example of you know the excitement that i have for where the industry could go and the way that we could deliver for our customers in the future fifth the the, the big wrap-up question now um I, I like your take on stations and and the the life in stations who's doing that right i i i want to host a talk one day and i want and i'm going to entitle it stations you're doing it wrong and that is going to be helpful it's going to be a helpful presentation for two-thirds of the audience, and it's going to insult one-third of the audience, and rightfully so. Who is your inspiration for the the ideal operation of a station these days? I don't think we can just have one inspiration and one example of who's doing it right, because I think we have to look outside of rail as well. When you, we have to think, what are you know what are airports doing? What are they getting right? What are that's um, a future it's a future what they do in retail what can we learn from airports <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah the next in the series after stations what are you doing wrong um so i i think yeah I, I and it's perhaps not a very helpful answer but i think we need to i think we need to look really broadly cross industry um cross uh you know cross country as well so so whether that's not not just in within the uk um but but what's happening internationally take a bit of what they're doing in tokyo take a bit of what they're doing in uh singapore airport take a bit of what they do in europe at rail stations uh and, and bring all of that together and um hopefully we've come out with something that looks a bit like a strategy rather than sort of layer upon layer of different ideas uh and that strategy should set the tone for, for where we want to get to in future um but I think there's lots of good stuff happening within the UK as well around, particularly around community rail, particularly around sustainability, um, and the way we can make our um, stations more uh, sustainable, um, uh, uh, you know, and, and uh, important um, from a net zero perspective. So, 
so yeah, I, I don't think there's any one inspiration, but I think we should always keep our eyes open to, to uh, initiatives that are out there. Thanks, Dan. Really appreciate your time today. And uh, we'll be catching up, causing pause many times. Like. Thanks, Chris. Thank you for listening to the Connected Commute podcast from Bolton Networks. Follow or subscribe on your platform of choice to stay connected and keep up to date with the latest innovations at Bolton.com.